The thoughts, views, and opinions expressed by us are ours and do not reflect those of our employers, co-workers, family, or friends. While we have conversations about various topics, any mentions of drugs, sex, religion, politics, and the like that offends anyone should be considered satire and for entertainment purposes only. And yes, we can get a little toxic. So if you're easily triggered, have unresolved trauma, can't take a joke, or don't enjoy adult conversations, you've been warned. Listener discretion is advised. We hope you enjoy the show. Yes, you know, you know, it's crazy. You know, with this being our last episode, I'm like, I would get sick before the final episode of season one. You know what I'm saying? And, and by the way, I'm blaming my wife and kid. Any parent of a toddler in daycare, you know, they're up and down roller coaster of getting sick. So to the audience out there, if you see me kind of coughing a little bit, I'm good. Just being a good dad. But I'm a little sick. And I'm going to have like a flu game for all of our MJ Jordan fans out there. I'm putting up 38. You know what I'm saying? But I got my teammates with me. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, except later on in life. My son would not be marrying your ex-wife. But the point I'm trying to make here. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. I mean, watch. But, but, yeah, yeah, you know. But I guess it must be a thing because speaking of making me sick, bro, I saw an interview with Keisha Chavis, whatever her name is, Joe Smith's ex-wife or a soon-to-be ex-wife. And did you know she had, she was on the It Is What It Is Cameron and, and May show and she actually gave this nigga a massage. I... I feel like I am more sick for Joe than I am for myself right now because that is crazy. That shit is crazy, man. God bless Joe Smith. You know what I'm saying? Thoughts and prayers. Mm. <laughs> Go ahead. She was doing her job, man. She was doing her job. You know, she's like, I just, I, you know, I'm at work. That's what I'm doing. I mean, was it a free <laughs> massage? Mace actually flew her out as almost like a gift. Cam didn't even know she was showing up. And Mace, being a good brother that he is, looking out for his mans and them, flew her out there. You know what I mean? But go ahead, SNL. Go ahead, SNL. You know what? Uh, yeah, so <laughs> flying out. <laughs> One person I'm definitely glad flew out was the of the presidential race, and that was Tim Scott. Because this man... First of all, let me just make a note that we talked about him last week. And um, for those who wasn't aware, he pulled out his political beard. And I guess that just wasn't enough. So he decided that he didn't quite meet the standard for the presidential race. And he dropped out. I was very excited about this. I'm like, thank you. Thank you for doing the right thing, sir. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not surprised he pulled out. Um I'm, I'm really be surprised if he got in in the first place. Uh, that's a pull out joke. So <laughs> I was there with you. I was there with thank you. I was there you. too. I understood. You know, we did right, talk about cool. him being a virgin last week. Yeah, or something like a virgin, right? He's not even quite virgin. He's something like a virgin now. Um, for the very first time. Yeah. Speaking of which, though, uh, he uh, may be able to use his 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 talents. I guess his pent up energy. Uh, you know, black people. We are broadening our enterprises left and right. We are getting into the sperm bank business. So no more spilling that money and dropping them seeds willy nilly on couches and knees, folks. You can put them to work for you. You know what I'm talking about? Save that little thing right there. Uh, Tim Scott, we won't be needing yours. Yeah. That's okay. A fact. <laughs> <laughs> I'll say this. Where do I sign up? 
I got to check yeah. with the wife first. But you know, my brother needs some Christmas money. Where do I go I to find that. out? <laughs> I heard that. I feel like I've been training for this all my life. You know what I mean? <laughs> so basically, Johnny Appleseed your butts to the bank. Johnny Appleseed yes. your butts to the bank. Yes. Let's start making more deposits than withdrawals, people. You know what I mean? That's how we get empowered economic development, right? We got a lot to talk about today. So with further ado, let's talk about it. One of the most important things you could realize is that you're not alone. You're not the first to go through it. You're not going to be the last to go through it. And oftentimes it happens. You just, you feel like you're alone and you feel like it's only you and you're in your bubble. And, and I wish I had someone. At that time, who, who could just pull me aside and hey, it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. So I wish I knew that. Just gotta remember. Hold on to that fundamental quality of faith. Have faith. That on the other side of your pain is something good. What up? Yo, what up? Yo. What up? Oh, what up? Number twelve. Hey, hey! I need a little bit more excitement from y'all. This is like Number you know 12. the season finale for episode <laughs> one. Can, can I get a let's go on three? One, two, three. Let's go. Go. <laughs> Thank you, no, Jay. She didn't. Thank do. you, my I had brother. Feeling for she was play us, man. You know what I'm saying? I was just. How waiting. y'all doing, man? <laughs> I was just I waiting and watching y'all. That's all. I know you don't like, you know, it's funny because I was talking to my wife. She was watching one of those episodes and she was like laughing at that point where you just called her a simple beep and she was dying at that. So I get that she do not have an affinity for it, Miss Sexy Red, but still, let's go. How you doing? That's a- <laughs> oh, is that, is that where it came from? I don't want to do it anymore. That was me attempting. I don't, don't want to do it anymore. See that? See, look, even Jay <laughs> yeah. said he don't want to do I it anymore. dirty now. <laughs> Can we do it over? dirty. That's why. I feel like my mouth body. needs an antiseptic. <laughs> but uh, what up, y'all? How y'all doing? At that. Yeah, that's All right. right. <laughs> Antibiotic <laughs> mouthwash. Okay. <laughs> so how y'all week, man? I know, I know how y'all week. Are y'all excited, man? We got Thanksgiving coming up. But how was your past week? S and M, you know, ladies first. What's good, love? So I had a great week in regards to uh, just came back from Charlotte and had a great time there. Got to do some sightseeing. It was actually part of a conference. And um, usually I'm bored at conferences. I'm not going to lie. And so this one was great. Um, Lots of I got opportunity to network, meet some great women. They all were vets. And I'm a vet, so it's exciting. And so anyways, moving on, I can talk a little bit more about that. But I'm not because I'm super excited about everything that we got going on. Some of the topics that we have that's been burning on, I won't say what I was going to say, because we just talked about antibiotics. So (laughs) (laughs) Burning on what? I mean, uh, I kind of, I don't want to see it, but I do want to know. So yeah, my week was uh, ups and downs, trials and tribulations, man, just emotionally all up and down all over the place i think it was because last week i was supposed to go to uh the sugarland concert down in in houston and my wife and i drove down there we didn't get to look at see a, a liquor concert we didn't get 
any of our dinner reservations met. We actually drove to Houston, stayed in the hotel, stayed back, and didn't even get to eat one time. You know, the best thing about Houston is the food. I mean, whatever. It's not even that much of a nightlife, but the food's pretty dope. So it was a complete bummer, which means going through the next rest of the week, uh, completely feeling not motivated. Um, but we made it. Uh, it was a very trying week. I think I stressed you guys out for that. I apologize. Uh, and um, but I did go to uh, the Margarita Ball last night, and I had a pretty good time. It's my first time going. And if those of you don't know, it's like a charitable thing. You do the tickets are pretty expensive, but you bring toys for the kids, and then you dance as long as you want in the night or whatever. And they got like free margaritas. You know, you just drink, drink, drink. Of course, I did some karaoke. Uh, yeah, I posted it. I couldn't help myself. You know what I'm saying? Did a little Usher. Went down on my knees. Bam! And now I need a Band-Aid. But anyway, that's a, long, <laughs> that's a whole other story. What, what did about you do? The ice crime? I did um, You Got It Bad. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, You Got It Bad. It was all and right. I, I think I saw it. Huh? Wait, Quick story and- on that. Go ahead. Go ahead, Asana, go ahead. I was just curious. Out of Was that the Toby Nguigway concert that you missed? Yes, that is the one. I he he performed. I think the second night. I think, and I missed that. Uh, I, we we had had enough with Houston by then. We drove on back. Uh, and the first night, it was somebody else I wanted to see, and I kind of missed that. Um, you know, I, it, I don't want to talk bad about it, so I won't. So I just some things about the festival. It being out, outdoors, the weather being bad, it being wet, just made me feel like I probably didn't want to do that with my time. But I heard the people went had a good time, so maybe next year I'll go. Uh, you know, shout out to Sugarland, keep doing your thing, folks. I support black people doing things for black people. Go Max. for it, yo, so Nick. Your week, was, your week. No, I was gonna say like Jay when you mentioned you got it bad. Uh, I think we were roommates at the time when that song came out, and it was the first time that I realized I had it bad with the wifey. I was like, I feel like Usher was singing through my soul when you say that mm. you love him, and you really know. And I'm like, oh, I have it bad. Like I, I promise you, that <laughs> like it was. Like, we put that at our wedding, so I had to mention that real quick. Um, but as far as the week, it's funny because I'm I'm kind of sick because of my son. You know, kids in daycare they get sick, spread germs, and the parents have to endure it. Ironically, or at the same time, like my son is really smart at two years old, right? And the school came back to us and was like, you know, your son is hitting other kids. And initially, the way they try to make it seem like our son was disruptive, you know what I mean? And so as a parent, you know, my wife, for example, took that seriously. Like, she's like, oh my God, what are we doing as a parent? But I'm like, he's a really good kid. Like, you know, he says, please, thank you. You know what I mean? He wants to be helpful. So I'm like, something's not right. During a conversation that she tried to have with the two-year-old, right? Uh, turns out that maybe all the kids are hitting, right? So it's not just a thing focused on my son. And the reason why I bring that up though, because I think as, as parents, especially of black boys, we have to be advocates. We have to be vigilant because when I was around fourth grade, because I was bored, I think he's bored with kids his age. They've already moved him up and they're considering moving him up to a different class, right? But when kids are really smart, really active or whatever, they want to label them a certain type of way and then start them down that path of like, you know, the, the prison, the pipeline, whatever, you know, I forgot the terminology, but mm-hmm. my point is, as a parent, we have to be vigilant. Like, whoa, 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 you know, let's, let's, let's look at the situation. So that was a big thing for me this week. Um, they are moving him to the older kids class, right? He's going to be the youngest um, of his class anyway. So he has the mentality, I think, the intelligence or whatever to hang with them. And he's not a small kid. So we'll see. But any parents out there, man, listen, especially black boys, it is a thing. You know what I mean? Luckily for me, when I was growing up, there was no Ritalin like that. Or maybe, you know, the teachers didn't think to try to put me on ADHD medication or whatever. And last thing I'll say is the funny thing is I had an old white lady at fourth grade 
they put me in dropout prevention in the fifth grade. In dropout prevention, she was a beautiful sister. I think she was around 29 years old. I had a crush on her, right? But what she did was she used our energy to make learning fun, right? So literally after one year, I ended up getting back into regular classes in sixth grade. And all of a sudden, people want to copy on me, right? But had it been the wrong people, the wrong teacher, who knows what my path would have been. So for all parents out there, especially of black boys, you just got to advocate for your kid, especially sometimes it's not that he's a bad kid. It's just that he's exceptional, low key. And he needs a little bit, you know, a little bit more attention. And, and time, right, right, right. right. Are not set up for that. But speaking of exceptional, right, because I got to imagine Andre 3000, right, was probably one of these kids who were really artsy, really different or whatever. I mean, if you've seen him throughout his trajectory of his career, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Sidebar, when Jay was mentioning the whole, um, the uh, karaoke thing, Jay, you know, the top flight champion, 17 weeks in a row, performing (laughs) (laughs) his greatest hits. Yes. Like, if if top flight is still up, there's probably a picture of Jay because this brother would come off the stage. Jay had groupies. He's the first brother that I know <laughs> that had groupies at karaoke. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> that's real fact. Okay. That's so with funny. that being said, real quick, uh, if you guys don't know, Andre 3000 just dropped an album this past week. A lot of us who loved you know, him as a rapper was very disappointed that this album was not necessarily rap. I'll let him tell you about it real quickly, and then we can just talk about it real quick on the other side. Well, the first song, the, the title is... I swear I really wanted to make a rap album, but this is literally the way the wind blew me this time. I don't want to troll people. I don't want people to think, oh, this Andre 3000 album is coming and you play it and like, oh, man, no verses. So even actually on the packaging, you know, you'll see it. It says warning, no bars. I would love to be out here playing with everybody, but it's like it's just not happening for me. So this is the realest thing that's coming right now not to say that i I would never do it again but those are not the things that are coming right now yeah so jay aka mr andre 3k of top flight what are your thoughts on this new album from yeah yes yes this is dre 3006 uh i you know first he's getting a lot of flack for it right people making fun of it or whatever but i really understand i feel like i understand what he's trying to say with the music i feel like he's coming at it from First, he's being real. That's two kind of artists, right? You have artists who create for pay, then you have artists who create for passion, right? And and sometimes they can be the same thing, but in today's music industry, it's usually one or the other. So what Three Stacks was saying was, I could put out some rap and people would buy it because I'm rapping. He's like, but I don't really have anything in me that I want to say lyrically, right? He's like, what I'm dealing with right now, it's, it's not, he wasn't feeling it in words, right? But it, true to, to the artist that he is, I feel like he found a way of expression that was just the music, right? And then he can just kind of play it however he felt it. Truth be told, uh, I think hip hop needed a reset anyway. I, you know, um, we kind of have been on that track for a little while now, like J. Cole and like Kendrick Lamar, and people kind of doing things that aren't traditionally done in hip hop and being successful at it. So I'm all for it, his flute album. Um, I'm glad he's that somebody in, in, in hip hop is getting back to the music. Right. And, uh, truth be told, you know, back in the day, uh, yeah, I did karaoke. I also did some like a little bit of rap, right. A little like Christian rap back in the day. Um, and, uh, I probably sample some of his flute stuff and throw some tracks on it. You know what I mean? <laughs> Why not? <laughs> Why not? Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, think about it. We've been sampling the same music for years now. Finally, somebody with a hip- some hip hop soul gives us some new riffs that are original, 
right? Then now if, if it resonates with you, maybe you have the words for it. Maybe you can speak to what the music is telling you. And then hip hop can reborn, be reborn in a new way. So I'm excited about it. What y'all's thoughts? So real quick before I pass it to SNM, I'll just say real quickly that Andre, I know he mentioned something about like he felt like rapping was a childish thing. He wasn't sure what to talk about. But Andre 3000 is one of those type of artists. He can talk about going to the bathroom or going to the grocery store at Whole Foods. I remember one of the bars he had, he was talking about being at Whole Foods. I think it was a song by Lloyd and how you met a young lady. Like he is so talented that he can make the mundane sound exceptional. So I get that maybe he feel like it was something that was in his youth, but the rapping is just an art form of vehicle, my brother. So I want to encourage you, Andre 3K, if you happen to see this, my brother, believe it or not, we want to hear about the mundane in your life. We want to hear about how you think about things, right? So I would encourage you right, at right. some point in time to realize that I get the expression, is, is this is the way you want to do it, but I think you're so amazingly talented, one of the best lyricists ever in the game. So you can literally put out an album of just talking about how you feel about life in general, you know, walking through Central Park and people will still go ahead and cop it. So I encourage you, my brother, to, to just drop a little something, something for us eventually before it's all said and done. But go ahead, SNM. Well, he's not the only one that's dropping things. Uh, as a matter of fact, Snoop Dogg is dropping his weed smoking habit. Drop it like it's hot. I drop was it like it's hot. shocked. I was shocked. I was like, wait, Snoop. Um, back in the days, I believe what? In the 1990s, when you did Snoop Doggy Dog World, it's a dog's world, uh, you said you was going to smoke weed to the day you die. Why ask why? Somewhere along those lines. And now we find out that you don't ask for thoughts and prayers and for folks to respect your privacy as you transition from smoking weed. And um, guess who's following suit? Meek Mill. I don't know if it's a coincidence because of D1 calling him out. That he decided to follow suit and make a become an example to the community mm. or what exactly it is. But I would love to hear your thoughts on this, Nick. Yeah. So first of all, I don't think it had anything to do with D1. You know what I'm saying? I think if anything, maybe Snoop. I mean, Snoop has been a stoner. Like he was the original Wiz Khalifa. You know what I'm saying? There's only two people that come to mind in terms of how much they smoke weed in like the last 20 some odd years. And Snoop was certainly one of those people. And so, but the wording, I think, had a lot of people kind of questioned a little bit, like, you know, a little skeptical because I think he's like, I'm going to stop smoke as opposed to smoking. Was he talking about smoking marijuana? You know what I mean? He's obviously in the cannabis industry. Is he talking about transitioning maybe to like vaping or edibles to a certain extent? I mean, we do understand that smoking carcinogens, as far as actually smoking a blunt or whatever, may not be the healthiest way to consume. And he is getting older. So I don't know if it's necessarily that he is quitting altogether. But if he is looking for alternate ways, especially being Snoop, Snoop is all about making money, you know what I'm saying? Extending his brand recognition and, and lending his brand to different types of products. So I would not be surprised if this was more of a move for him to uh, kind of transition to a more healthier consumption of marijuana. But uh, listen, I'm going to respect his privacy. And uh, as a person who has had to undergo some challenges in terms of saying, yo, I'm going to take a break. I totally think that for those folks who feel like it's important for them to take a time out from the Mary, that's okay. Right. You can sit it down and be right there back with, you know, waiting for you when you want to come back. So kudos to Snoop and, and me. And I wish you nothing but the best. I'm just going to say it's medicinal. That's I'm going to stick by that. It's medicinal in nature. And um, and that's it. That's all I'm going to say is medicinal. <laughs> heard that. It heard that. It's from the earth. All right. It's from the earth. It's an herb. It can't be. You know what I mean? It wasn't God created from lab. But it's for me and you, you know what I mean? We ain't had to plant it. It just started growing. I mean, how can it not? Look at God. Why don't you do it? But anyway, that's just <laughs> that's my thoughts. Um, I Like you said, uh, as an medicinal, for medicinal purposes, I do, do think it and hemp have their usages. And I think the reason they were taken off the market had nothing to do with health. Um, speaking of coming off the market, right? 
in the sense, uh, you know, Christian, I don't know if you guys have heard, she was uh, at Tamar's concert, right? You know what I'm saying? And, and everybody was enjoying the fame and notoriety that she brings. And she and Tamar could not get on the same page about what was supposed to happen to this concert to the point where somebody got popped. And um, yeah, so allegedly, I don't I, Allegedly popped. Oh, no, no. No, allegedly, Christian popped him. But uh, clearly, he got popped, though, because he went to the doctor and had to get his stuff all stitched and mixed or whatever. So somebody hit him. You know what I mean? Okay. You know, who knows who? For legal purposes. For legal purposes. Allegedly. Allegedly. He, he alleged that somebody allegedly hit him and that the alleged person was Christian. Did I do that? Did I cover it? Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so so, so the... Uh, her her narrative. I'll give some context, and you can kind of give me your feedback on this. Um, you want to play the clip? Her narrative. Or you want to give me set it up first? You can, so I thought we had a clip for Cam and Krishan, but it's I no. We got it. Yeah. No, nah, we got the. Let's Tamar. do the clip. You want to see Tamar? You know what I'm saying? Tamar was the original. <laughs> hey baby, moments like these. Was she the original? She probably was the original. Yeah, go back she had clips, broke up so. with her boy. Yeah, hey baby, oh, don't let yeah. this mess you up, boo. You know what I'm saying? You need, she needs some guidance. You better hurry up and get that. That's <laughs> <laughs> Let's run this clip. My journey of being a better person, I wanted people to, you know, accept me for the new person that I was. And the only way that they could do that is if I was given an opportunity. And so that's really all it was. Um, I didn't call her and be like, oh, come on and perform on my show. Um, I already knew Tony was planning to perform here at this L.A. show. Um she had sent me her number a while ago on a DM and I reached out to her. I mean, like I said before, like we all have, you know, Christiana is like a little sister to all of us watching her and then watch her make mistakes. We want to help. We want to help. And this is what this Love and War tour has been about. Yeah. So she's just trying to help her out. I mean, that's what she says. Uh, any thoughts? She she didn't really say what led to the, the alleged contact in the backstage. She really gave a really superficial uh, version of events. But what are your takes on what she said so far? Uh, SNM? I think that um, Christian was doing what Christian do, which is bring toxicity and drama to no matter where she goes. And so she stayed on brand and kudos to Tamar if she was giving her a leg up or a heads up or whatever the hell type of up she was giving her in support of the women's movement, so to speak. And um, at the end of the day, though, Christian was being Christian. She was like, hey, this is what I do. I bring toxicity. <laughs> she did say that she was moving how she normally moves. She's mentioned having done some shows and being brought out by like uh Glorilla and the sexy red. Uh the name just chokes in my throat. Uh and uh she said the way they brought her out, you know, she's kind of grabbed the mic and did her thing. Tamar had a different vibe. I don't know if Tamar was trying to reach out to a different demographic with this and thought having Christian on stage would, you know, open up some new energy, which I guess it did. But clearly there was a miscommunication. Christian clearly thought she brought her DJ. She thought she was supposed to go on. And when she did, she, she was frustrated. Uh, and so, you know, allegedly she lashed out. Uh, but I, I'm here, I hear she can get along with some people. SM, right? There's not, she's not beefing with everybody. She got some friends in the industry still, right? She definitely is not beefing with everybody. As a matter of fact, speaking of the communication piece, um, Cam was all up in Christian DMs. Um, I don't know if she was trying, he was trying to holla or if it was just to come on his show. What's the show called? Funky Friday or something like that. I don't know if that's what the deal was. And, but she was like, bam, on blast. I got my new boo, but look who else in my DMs. Mm, suspect. Mm. 
he did go she did go on his story on his uh, uh podcast show or whatever uh to give her side uh it's kind of where i got some of these details um she uh recently is taking out all of her social media though so she's like going radio silent she says she feels like people are taking advantage of her notoriety and they're just using her for clickbait and so yeah she feels victimized now and she feels like she was set up by the Braxton camp set up for what and how I haven't figured that out yet, but that's her story. And she's sticking to it. She's sticking oh. to it. <laughs> so let me get this straight. <laughs> she felt that she was set up and she's been used for her toxicity to get clicks. And, um, and therefore she's going on radio silence, but every time she says she go on radio silence, she speaks the most. And if she's not speaking mm. the most, she's posting the most. And so mm. what exactly is radio silence? Because at the end of the day, if Cam really did slide into her DMs not to bring her on her show, then Cam, uh, mighty shicey, considering that he got baby mama number three out here on these streets doing her comedy tour, calling herself baby mama number three. And so mm. um, that speaks volumes about Cam if that's what she what he's doing. So I don't know if she's claiming what she's claiming is true or not, but I support her radio silence because at the end of the day, she needs to look at herself and do some reflection. Facts. And actually, speaking of women who might be toxic and lack taking accountability, mm. Jada Pinkett Smith was actually on <laughs> The Breakfast Club this past week. I know our favorite girl. Oh, that one. Our favorite toxic, unaccountable girl. By the way, mm-hmm. just a side note, I'm actually reading her book, but don't tell nobody. Anyways, uh, she was <laughs> on The Breakfast Club. I'm nosy, bro. Uh, on The Breakfast Club, she was talking about the idea that can men and women have friends of the opposite sex and should they? I'm going to go ahead and play what she said and we could talk about it on the other side. You know, we came up in an era where it was so unusual for a man and a woman to be friends. In our era, that was just like friends. They had to be dating. Yeah, like what, what, what? Right. And so I think for him, it was just like getting your mind around around that, you know, and that the the kind of friendship that we had, because we had such a, you know, tight friendship that, you know, was very impactful on my life. You know, so I think it was just getting the understanding around that Tupac and I could be friends, you know, and that 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 he was a part of my life in that way. How did he get over that? I really can't speak for Will. You should probably ask him when he (laughs) comes back. But I think he just realized that that's what it was. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was like, that's what it was. It's like, you know, that was that beautiful friendship. And I think once he... Real and started as he got older, started having his own friendships with women. Like, oh, that that is possible. And how are you with that? I'm I, listen. I always told Will, you need some female friends. <laughs> Did you? Yes, because I think I think I think men and women. I think men do need female friends because and women need male friends. Yes. So you know, an interview was not going to go by without Jada Pinkett Smith mentioning Tupac. But that aside, <laughs> your thoughts in regards to what she said. Do you think men and women in relationships, let's be clear, should have friends of the opposite sex? I, I'll say, yeah, I think they should. I mean, all right, let me say, I think they should be allowed to. But of course, it all depends on the comfort of your partner. Um, when I married uh, Kristen, who was my first wife, we both married in our 20s or whatever. Kristen did not allow me to have any female friends. So nobody I was friends with before she came along was able to have contact with me. Every All of our friends had to be new friends we picked up together. 
And it was because she was concerned, I think, that our new relationship would be eclipsed by these old relationships. Fast forward seven years later, she passes from uh, cancer. And my closest female friends who I had cut ties with for the sake of my marriage, guess what? We pick right back up. We're still friends. We're still friends years later. I think true friends will will step back for the sake of a relationship anyway, uh, out of respect for the person that they care about who's in that relationship. Um, I do think, though, it depends on your history. It depends on a lot of things. I, I It's good to have friends of the opposite sex because if they respect your relationship, then they can give you some insight that maybe you couldn't have get, gotten from your boys who can only see things one way possibly or, or vice versa but you got to watch that person and they really need to be friends to the couple and not just friends to one person i thought that's and then what are you thinking so to be honest this was a new concept to me about the opposite sex not being friends with the opposite sex i grew up with a lot of male friends and it's mostly because i was a tomboy i played basketball i played flag football and so it was just not as a matter of fact i was actually considered like one of the boys because i also boxed and so it was one of those things where it wasn't until I met my husband, who was my of course boyfriend at the time, when he expressed some concerns about the fact that I had so many male friends, because in his opinion, male friends are just friends waiting to um, basically have sex with you. And they're only in the friend category because you are not interested in having sex with them. I disagreed with that. And while it turned out that a couple of them were like waiting in the wings, um, that's not, I still, so we end up working it out so that I still have male friends because some of these friends were like my best friend from childhood who coincidentally was gay. So he was like, oh, he's cool. We, you can have that one. But, um, we did end up working it out. And, um, and one of the things that ended up happening was that just like Jay said, those male friends who respected the relationship fell back because they wanted to make sure that he was comfortable and they also wanted to include him in whatever they were doing. And if he still expressed discomfort, they felt back. It was like, okay, well, look, I respect your relationship enough because if it was my woman and I feel uncomfortable, I'm going to do the same thing, you know, um, or I want, I would want her male friends to do the same thing. On his end, uh, with the female friends, he only had a couple, but he, because he didn't actually believe in female friends, he was good with like, man. Eh. I'm in a relationship, deuces. And like, you know, and I thought that was entertaining. And he kind of maintained one, but it turned out it's because she was trying to sleep with him. As in the one friend was waiting in the wings. So he had folks waiting in the wings too. So I think ultimately it just depends on the environment. I grew up in an environment where it's no big deal to have male and female friends, friends of the opposite sex, um, especially if you was a tomboy. And um, whereas he grew up in an era where or in the area where, oh, you suspect if you got a, a, a friend of the opposite sex. So, Nick, yes. I know you haven't given um, your thoughts, um, but okay. I want to throw this in before, before so you can add on this when you do. If the okay. if the concern is that you're, you're around people who have an attraction for you who may be like undermining your relationship, would that mean that bisexuals can't have any friends? OK, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, that's a question that we can answer. I might need to think on that a little bit. Um, I think there's different uh, layers, right? To a certain extent, like if it's a friend that you already have coming into the relationship, I do appreciate that. Yes, um, your friends will fall back in respect of your relationship, but y'all may still have a relationship that it just depends on the insecurity of your partner, right? I think you know we got to be honest that there are some people who are super insecure 
there are relationships where they don't want you having friends whatsoever, regardless of whether or not you have these friends from early on. Right. And so I think that's when it becomes a problem. Uh, I think people's insecurities in regards to their partner stepping out. I'm here to tell you, you know, people are going to cheat. They'll find a way to cheat low key. You know what I'm saying? It could be a co-worker. It doesn't even have to be a friend. It may be something that you don't even know. I think if you are a woman, for example, or a guy embracing your, your husband's friends may help to be a deterrent, right? Because I think mm. people with decent morals or ethics or whatever may find it difficult to cross that line if they have a relationship with you. But if you're standoffish and you're brooding or whatever, you kind of come across like insecure, especially if there isn't much going on there for you to be concerned about, right? So for me personally, I set the tone early on. I was always going to have female friends. Um, some of the some of the the people who have done the most for me in my life have been women. You know what I'm saying? Whether it's the you know financial aid lady at the school, whether it's the lunch lady, like women have been a blessing to me. So this idea that I have to you know detach myself from these people who have been a blessing to me because of her insecurity. Now I will say this, and then we can kind of get to your question, Jay. There is a certain level of responsibility. I know each person has to be responsible for their own sense of well being, their own self esteem, so on and so forth. But as a man. There are things that I can do to at least try to alleviate some of those concerns, right? So I'm not having conversations late at night. I'm not being secretive in regards to those conversations, right? I'm being open in regards to what it is that we're doing. I'm allowing, I'm, I'm including her, right? Whenever she wants to be included, so on and so forth. So, but I'm also just reassuring her how much I'm committed to her in the relationship. Um, I just think that's something that we may not feel like we have to do. But um, if you're a guy who does have female friends or if you're a woman that has friends, there probably is a requirement for you to go above and beyond mm -hmm. to just make sure that your partner knows that you're committed mm -hmm. to the relationship. Because what happened is the minute that you start missing gifts or missing, you know, conversations or missing kisses or you come home a little different, the first thing that person is going to think about is where you out there with one of your friends. And last thing I'll say is I appreciate the whole gay friends thing, but some of these niggas are bi. And so what you're not going to do if I was going to be concerned is give a, give a nigga a pass because he claims to be gay. You know what I'm Some of these niggas play on for both sides, okay? Mm. So I'm just saying the whole gay thing sound like a safe out, but I don't know that it is. But to your point, Jay, right? You were asking, can a bisexual person have any friends? I'm going to say yes. Again, I am here for people being able to have friendships. And I'll land this and anybody can jump in. To me, to expect your partner to be everything to you, I think is a tall task. I think some people mm. end up putting too much on their partner, right? So you may have a partner, she's amazing or he's amazing. He does the things that you know you love about him, but maybe he's not into fashion. Maybe he's not into politics. Or she's not into politics, right? So I think having friends diversifies maybe him being able to you know, mentally stimulate himself in other areas, right? He has his guy friends and so on and so forth. And sometimes having a really solid woman can give, or a solid dude can give that person some insight. Like Jay was saying. So I just think that, like, you know, there are some benefits, but we just got to be very, very careful and we have to do our part to alleviate any additional concern. But yes, Jay, bisexual or pansexual, they can be friends with everybody. I agree with that 100%. And okay. I just want to add <laughs> that the alpha and omega is a dangerous concept where the person is your alpha and your omega. That's very dangerous. Mm -hmm. And But if this male friend or female friend, if you find yourself having conversations and you're hiding those conversations because you know your male partner is uncomfortable, well, then you need to take mm -hmm. another look at your friendship because there's a reason why you're hiding that conversation. There's a reason why um, that male or female partner is uncomfortable with it. But speaking, so since we said, asked about the bisexual relationships, uh, did you guys hear the latest pertaining to our next favorite person that we apparently can't get enough mm. of? Mm. Um, that would be uh, Will Smith. And to be honest, when Jada Pickett, when she talked about Tupac yet again, 
I said, hmm, she's contrary because at one minute he was asking her to be his wife, but they still were just friends. And so that was confusing a little bit to me because mm-hmm. I'm like, which is it? Was, was you the wife putting the material or was you the friend? Because you can't be both if it's platonic. And so mm. this may have caused somebody to experience, I'm going to say allegedly, some bisexualness um, in their friendship. And can we run that clip? Yeah, I'm going to have to. Wow. You know, I, don't, I don't know how you make that connection, but we go go to the clip. <laughs> Saw sexual acts that I, one, I walked in on. Who'd you walk in on? Him and Dwayne Martin. Okay. Hollywood is the hurry up and, and, and wait game. So three minutes later after them telling me, hey, you got eyes on Will, you got, we, we, we need him to come watch this. So I'm running all over the, the, the studio. He's not in his dressing room. I go to the cafeteria. I'm like, well, but I see his car there. I'm like, where's this guy at? So now I'm holding Dwayne down too. So I have the keys to his dressing room. So I'm like, yo, and they're calling my, my they, I'm on walkie talkie and they're calling my cell phone. Yo, we need to get Will here. I'm like, yo, kind of fucked down like I'm trying to find is like this is this is unlike him right so all right, I open the um, door to Dwayne's dressing room and that's when I see Dwayne and having anal sex with Will let me process that for a second there was a couch and um, Will was bent over on the couch and Dwayne was standing up killing him murder like murder it was murder in there So, that look from her at the end was hilarious. I'm sorry. Nothing funny about the story, but that look on her face was hilarious. But go ahead. Listen. So <laughs> while murder. people are worrying about the opposite sex, you might need to worry about the same sex um, because it's not just hanging out with your guys or maybe just hanging out with your girls if you so have to be a lesbian. But on this case, we're talking about a guy. And so apparently, as you can tell, and I'm going to mess up this name probably, but if I do, oh, well, Brother Bilal, I think it's pronounced, uh, was out and about in these streets, used to be his best friend. Thank you. Used to be uh, Will Smith's best friend. And um, Dwayne Martin was another one who was a good friend of Will Smith. And it turns out that it allegedly is because they have more than friendship in common. They have some pound town in common. So see, look, that that sexy red conversation for you. Boom, hooked it up. But uh, (laughs) I would love to hear you guys thoughts on this because I don't know if we're in the era of revelations and if this is even a revelation because there was always talks about Will being bisexual, particularly after he did that one movie, Six Degrees of Separation, and he played that gay character so well, folks was like, uh-uh, 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 he got, got an award for that. <laughs> you know? And so I'm just curious as to what are you guys' thoughts on this and the lawsuit that he made. So they haven't filed a lawsuit, by the way. But he may file a lawsuit against this guy and uh, for a cease and desist and defamation. Yeah, well, so I think that the lawsuit probably won't materialize. I think that's that was Jada Pinkett Smith's easiest defense to saying she doesn't agree with what's being said. She doesn't see any basis in it and that that it, it could be criminally uh, wrong. I think that um, there is some some fire to the smoke, though. Like on a separate story, uh, I remember watching a documentary by Lisa Ray, and Lisa Ray was like, "Yo, Dwayne Martin stole my man," and I was like, "How did what? How did that happen?" She was like, "Yeah, you know, we all friends. I introduced him to uh, Dwayne Martin. Next thing you know, they hanging out without me, and you know what I mean? They got other people over, and they hanging out, hanging out for real without me. So uh, looking at 
Lisa Ray's experience with Dwayne Martin and her man, and now uh, looking at Dwayne Martin and Will Smith and how close they appear appear to be over time, I'm inclined to say um, I would never say I don't know what happened, but I think Brother Bilal, I don't believe Brother Bilal is lying. I don't. I don't think he's lying. Uh, Franklin and Will, if that's what you want to do, that's what you want to do. You know what I mean? I, I wish people would let people just be how they're going to be. If, if you like the person's uh, movies, whatever they're doing, and, you know, whatever they do in the bedroom is what they're doing. As long as it's with consenting adults and nobody's getting hurt and nobody's boundaries are being overstepped, I think people should let people be. None of these people have signed up to be anybody's role model. They just signed up to play some roles and do some things and make some money, right, to entertain. So at some point, you have to let them have their own lives, right? Um, so I don't think there's going to be a lawsuit. I don't. I think she's just bluffing and huffing and puffing. Um, I do think that um, the Brother Bilal just drugged Dwayne, uh, Martin, and Will Smith out of the closet. And what they do from there now is it's up to them, whether they take a stand or whatever. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely some, some fire to smoke. So earlier in that clip, I think Tasha K was like, with friends like you who need enemies, right? This was supposed to be his friend for however long, right? What, he, what he's doing right now is is cornball. It's goofball shit. It's uh, disrespectful. It's, there's so many words that I want to try to find, right? Because, you know, if you want to create a buzz on your name based off of what you've done, supposedly you had all these relationships, I'm sure that you can parlay them to continue whatever career you had. You know your career is over by what you just did, right? If you're like the personal assistant to the stars, that career was over, which then makes me wonder, like, was there something that precipitate, precipitated this end that then led to him being as vindictive, playing on old rumors, right, about Will Smith and what they got going on? So I'm sorry. I don't know that I believe him. And to be honest, I don't know that I need to believe him or that I don't need to believe him, right? Because what Will Smith and Dwayne Martin do behind closed doors, that's their fucking business. You know what I'm saying? Even when the whole Dwight Howard thing came up from before, what I don't like is people divulging information, especially as it relates to something like sexuality, especially given the history of it, and just dragging somebody out the closet. For what exactly? Was that check big enough, my G? Right? You know what I'm saying? Like, so was was the hurt that deep for you, my boy? Right? That this is your way of getting back at them, right? I just think it's ass. It's Basura that he's doing this. He looks a little funny to me, right? I'm not trying to be funny, but the type of person that doesn't seem very trustworthy to a certain extent, right? And you know, this is the type of story. Like, I I know about the whole Lisa Ray thing, but sometimes I feel like it's it could be dangerous when women try to to find reasons why their relationship did not work. Like, matter of fact, I'll, I'll say this, right? So I was looking at a story and that same girl from like our first episode who reached out and called me sassy, right? And we're going to talk about okay. the part a bit. But there's a lot of, there seems to be this quick thing to just call a guy gay or to intimate that he is moving in a very feminine type of way, right? So yes, you have the rumors from before. Lisa Ray was obviously hurt. If I'm not mistaken, the same dude supposedly was hooking up with Roxy. Like that whole situation was a little bit rocky. So I guess... Dwayne Martin played a role, too, because maybe they were two playboys that was out there fucking all the hoes and whatnot. So the relationship came to an end. I just think we're too quick to, number one, throw these cast these aspersions on men, which I think is very mm-hmm. dangerous. That's number one. And number two, what people choose to do in behind closed doors, they were literally behind closed doors if what he's saying is true. Right. So he went there and, and opened a room just because he had a key him the fucking right to sit on the show with Tasha Kay and say what mm-hmm. the fuck he 
I think if for nothing else, we just cancel this nigga, forget that he even fucking exists and keep on moving, right? At some point in time, Will and Jada may have to deal with the situation. I do think they will sue. Um, when she was leaving the Breakfast Club, this, I don't know if you guys saw this, but they did like the whole Tupac thing with the little bandana in the thing. And she was like, yeah, we gonna sue his ass, right? So in this case, I am here for the Smiths. I do think that they go ahead. They need to go ahead and move forward with charges. And my brother, I know you probably getting a little bit of shine or whatever, but moving like this, I can't imagine that too much good or great is going to come from it. And I hope that it was all worth it for you at the end, because as far as I'm concerned, like, nigga, you can be, I can't imagine any celebrity, any person of note wanting you anywhere around them, because even if that's what they were doing, we all know how paramount privacy is for some people. Snoop was asking for privacy in regards to smoking his weed. You think a person who's having a little tryst behind closed doors wants your bummy ass putting their business out there in the street, nigga? Die, nigga. You know what I'm saying? I mean, of course, I'm saying that playfully. Please review the disclaimer at the top of the show. But what are your thoughts, Esther, now? I like, tell them how you really feel. <laughs> but, but, uh... Die, allegedly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> My first thought was that this dude must be about to drop a book. Right. And he must be about to drop a tell all book and he needs to get some buzz. And since the Jada and Will can't seem to keep themselves out of the news, what better way to get some buzz than by throwing somebody under the bus? When you talked about the door, um, him, uh, you know, him going into the room, opening it, it's like the door was locked. Like if it's a locked door that clearly says do not enter while somebody else may have been entering elsewhere. But it still said do not enter. <laughs> That's a number and three. It's so, <laughs> fine print. And so <laughs> I said may. So anyways, at, it's, it's one of those things where I was like, this dude was grimy as hell for this. And if they didn't want to come out the closet, then they didn't have to. But if they are in the closet, guess what? This is the best time to come out apparently because um, – 2023, no one really rocking. Like, it's not a big, it's big deal as it was back in the 90s. It's not a big deal. But it made me wonder about them bankruptcy because, you know, Tisha Campbell was married to him. And I thought it was just bankruptcy along with those irreconcilable differences. But maybe it was a little bit of something there. I think she intimated mm-hmm. something too, by the way. I think she low key supposedly when we was looking at the story that she may be intimated. So there definitely is probably smoke here, but I am just saying it's one thing for there to be rumors and innuendos, but this guy was describing a sexual act that he allegedly saw as a complete violation in my humble opinion for privacy and whatnot. The other mm-hmm. part that we didn't show in the clip was he was talking about Will Smith's member and uh, I guess intimating that uh, Jada Pinkett preferred a baby leg, whereas Will Smith was working with, you know, a pinky toe and how he would never be able to satisfy her. Again, let's be, let, let me say this one last thing, Jay, and I guess we're going to move on to the next one or whatever, whoever wants to get in there. But we do have to be honest. There is a part of us as a consuming community or consumers that enjoy these type of salacious stories. We do like it. Right. Because it's it's like it's juicy. It kind of has all this type of innuendo. I mean, I'm not saying that, like, we wish well, you know, bad on these people, but I'm saying from an entertainment purpose only. That's why people do this stuff, because they know Tasha K knew she's going to get clicks. People are going to be inquisitive. They're going to be entertained. So I think the only way that we as a consumers can maybe change it a little bit is to just ignore these motherfuckers when they do shit like this. Right. Like, hey, we don't care what Will Smith is doing in his business. So sorry, Tasha K. I'm not watching your video. But I mean, the likelihood of that actually happening, let's be real, that's not very high. But go ahead, Jay. Yeah, no, man. It, it, it's uh, tis the season to make allegations. Fa la 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 la. Uh, Diddy seems to be in heavy rotation. Fa la 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 la. Uh, Diddy uh, recently, uh, just over the weekend, it's a story that happened so fast, it was like over before we could talk about it. You know what I mean? 
Like we in production and we're like, yo, so uh, Cassie is suing Diddy for like 30 some odd mil. And we're like, what? Like, yeah, you know. So Cassie made some aspersions about the way Diddy treated her, the things she was required to do, some of the things that she saw. I think we got a clip. So we'll run that and then we'll talk about it. We all saw it posted yesterday all over our social media pages. Cassie filed a lawsuit in New York City against Diddy. Yikes. She's claiming she was stuck in a decade-long cycle of abuse, violence, and sex trafficking. Baby. Whew. In a statement, she said, After years in silence and darkness, I'm finally ready to tell my story. She's speaking up on behalf of herself and for the benefit of other women who face violence and abuse in their relationships. With the expiration of New York's Adult Survivors Act fast approaching, she said it then became clear it was the opportunity to either speak up about the trauma she's experienced and she'll be recovering from for the rest of her life, or just kind of remain silent. So she chose to speak up. What are the allegations exactly? It just says uh, that he did a bunch of stuff, that he allegedly, allegedly mm-hmm. gave her copious amounts of drugs leading to a painful struggle with drug and alcohol abuse, that he controlled every aspect of her life. He is accused of frequently beating her and would hide her in hotel rooms for days until the bruising and signs of abuse were gone, and that he also allegedly forced her to have sex with male sex workers while he watched. Wow. Yeah. I thought he told you that he won't stop. I thought he told you that he won't stop. Um, so <laughs> I can't laugh about cough. I gotta go back on mute. <laughs> I'm sorry. So yeah, uh, just a little recap, right? So Cassie hit him with the with the, with the suit. Now, uh, Diddy's camp responded prior to them selling the suit, and they said that they had they had heard these allegations before. They put it in the category of a shakedown. They were like, she's just out here for money. Uh, she had asked about the same amount of money when she told them before. She's like, yo, give me this, or I'm gonna like I'm gonna make some noise. And they were like, nah, girl, you ain't going to say nothing. And so she went out. Now, uh, so Diddy did quickly settle. But um, not before other people started popping out. I think the damage is done. I think that uh, she got her money and she landed her her, her blows, so to speak. Um, it's just a lot to unpack there, man. I don't even want to go all into it. S&M, you, what are your thoughts when you, when you think about what's happening here? So I believe there was 100% smoke to this fire here. As a matter of fact, there was some fire, fire, pants on fire. Um, with Diddy when he was claiming he didn't do it because uh, he settled. So it was within 24 hours, I believe he settled. That his lawyers was like, nah, bruh, we ain't got this. <laughs> and so I was like, this is the fastest lawsuit settlement I have ever seen. And I think the reason why he probably thought that, you know, they tried to throw it into the camp of she would never do it was because a lot of it was rooted in debasement. You know what I'm saying? They were debasing her and thought and thought they whipped her mm-hmm. self-esteem so low that some of the things that she was forced to do, like I would never admit it that I was forced to have sex with male sex workers and um and while Diddy watch allegedly, I would never admit things like this. And um and that's why Cassie was like, No, nah, I'm I'm gonna suck it up and I'm gonna admit it. And so I think that it was true. And but once again, I've never seen anybody settle a lawsuit. Within 24 hours, or maybe it was 48 hours. I just know it didn't make it to 72. I hate that sometimes I'm, I'm noticing that in these conversations, I'm going to probably always come across as the skeptical one to a certain extent, right? And I do understand that. Um, because I think part of it, I heard somebody say that, like, if a person was really looking for justice, would they settle? 
right? Is it is it a matter of holding that person accountable? Is the only way for them to seek justice is to settle financially? So I'm not sure if the statute of limitation was up necessarily. I believe that was part of it because it was like, I guess, apparently a law in uh, New York that still allows you to civically, civilly charge someone for something that happened, especially if the statute of limitation had already passed. So that could very well be what it was. Um, the fact that he did settle so quickly, I think, is very curious at the very least. Um, and I do agree there's smoke, right? If, if you couple you know, the Keefe D thing, you couple this thing, you couple Kim Porter, if you couple like what happened with Biggie, if you couple all the different artists who have had issues with him through the time, if you couple that with Shine, right? And him having to do prison time, you know, even though I think technically it was Puffy and JLo at the club, but he was the one that ended up taking the charge for that, right? And their relationship seems to be fine. And then you also have Mace. So when I heard you say s and there's fire there, I think the problem is for Diddy is there's enough smoke in so many different directions that all it takes is an ember of an allegation for people to really feel like, yeah, he probably did that shit, right? Now, on the flip side, there was a woman, I forgot her name. She was the actress that was in, um, uh, uh, what movie was that? Uh, Friday, right? She was the Hoochie Mama, right? That was, I guess, uh, Craig's ex-girlfriend. She came out and eviscerated, like low-key, what she said in regards to this idea that these women who are not as talented, um, who get this opportunity, who are willing to do whatever for the opportunity because she was 19 years old. I guess that's not the oldest. Um, she's not the oldest person, right? And Diddy was 40. So there is that age gap. There is that power dynamic, right? But I think the point that she was making is at what point do you try to teach young women to beware and to be careful of these type of predators, right? To, to say no. Because her point was at 19, I was around some of these dudes and I just said no, right? And I think people are easily influenced to want to be a celebrity, to want to be famous, to want to get the money or whatever. And, you know, whether it's their parents, right? Or whether it's that individual, I think there there is some responsibility there to just be mindful that all these guys that you see, they're not all that you they're cracked up to be. We don't know these people. And the idea that parents sometimes trust these people just because they're celebrities, it's a part of our culture that we lend a certain level of credence to people simply because they make money doing something that's visible. Right. So I just I just hope like so regardless of obviously they settled. So there's nothing really that we can say. Um, I guess I'd be curious to see if there's other cases that come out. There was other videos that came out. Um, Young Jock corroborated certain things that he saw in terms of certain behavior. Right. Diddy is still powerful. So I know that people may be kind of hesitant to really want to say anything. Right. Um, there's been podcasts that had to be reworked in order to not address this topic. But I do think there is smoke. But I also think that people have to just start to recognize that these people are human beings, nothing more, nothing less. And sometimes when they do have the money and the power, they're the nastiest people because they use that money and their power to take advantage of you in a way. And hopefully you have a support system. Um, you're doing your due diligence and you're just making sure that whatever you choose to do is something that you want to do. Because I think where it can be tough is that when you decide that, yeah, I'm going to do this thing because I want this carrot so bad, but then for you to come back around and make it seem like that wasn't something that you mutually agreed to, right? To a certain extent. And allegations can be just that. Allegations, like how do you prove that from 20 years. And lastly, when it comes to settling cases, a lot of times lawyers will tell you like, yo, it's just best to settle it, right? Because if we do a trial, we got to get into the, all the details. It's going to cost you even more money. And I think this story went around the world so quickly that I think Diddy's uh, image has already kind of been smirched. And so I just think that sometimes the smart thing to do is to say, hey, man, I have been robbing some of these artists anyway. So let me go ahead and break her off a little something, something. You can justify how you choose to sell the thing because whether it's Day 26 or Danity Kane or, or Black Rob, whoa, right? Brothers, you know, have not gotten their bread. And so shout out to Cassie for getting her bread for the new Jack move. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Look at Danity Kane. You know, uh, Aubrey O'Day said uh, she uh, had to do some things for Diddy that didn't require talent of singing or dancing. And uh, but that she couldn't talk about due to the non-disclosed 
uh, non-disclosure clause she had to sign to get her, uh, her, her rights and her music back, whatever. So he's, he's shushing people for something. That's what I'm saying. What are you saying now? I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's not good. I was going to say uh, for a second, I thought Nick was um, giving the R. Kelly defense out there that these young girls know what they're up, uh, getting into and willing to do whatever they want to wow. do. I was like, let me see some clarity from wow. Nick. I, I, he I, had the bald head does not put him in the R. No, Kelly category. No. I'm need no, I, go ahead. He gave so, some good advice, but I was like, wait a minute. Did he just do the R. Kelly defense? Because that was kind of part of that. I got some clarity for you, right? No, that's important. I'm glad that you asked that follow-up because- Two things can be true at the same time. A person can be a predator and, and that person needs to be put away 1000%. But at the same time, it's like this, right? So if a rap, if a, a aspiring rapper enters this business today, right? There's enough information in regards to how the music industry fucks you, right? There's enough, inform- you know, 20, 30 years ago, there was not enough information out there. And so our artists, you know, kind of were stuck with just going with the puffies and try to just blow up that way, right? But nowadays we have other ways for people to blow up and make a career for themselves with the internet, so on and so forth, right? So if I'm looking at an artist who has all this information in front of them, should I not expect them to take some responsibility for the decisions that they make, even given all the information that's available to them? Right. If you sign a contract with Puffy in 2023, my brother, I hate to be the one to tell you, but there's enough evidence that maybe you shouldn't have signed a contract with Puffy, you know, in 2023. Bad boy Puffy in 1998. Great. Right. So all I'm simply saying is that you can also be responsible as the individual for the choices that you make. And if somebody is telling you, hey, man, there's a wolf around that corner and you still choose to go around that corner. Are we saying that person has no level of responsibility? Right. Like, I think there has to be a balance where, yes, the persons who do wrong need to be prosecuted. That was my same position with the police thing and so on and so forth. People don't want to do nuance. Right. They just want to jump on their high horses and be like, oh, that person did that thing. But at the same time, I can't control Puffy. I don't know Puffy. What I can do is tell a young lady who's watching the show, hey, sis, your dreams still can come true, but you don't have to sign your life away. You don't have to give your soul away in order to make that dream come true. If you have a little bit of faith, you work hard, maybe the right situation comes about. You do not have to put yourself in the lion's den with some of these predators. And that's what certain people are doing. And even if you take it off the kids, for example, how about all the, you mentioned R. Kelly, how about all those parents who willingly allowed their underage Mm -hmm. child to be in the presence of somebody that was talking about little cute Aaliyah got that vibe. So are we are we going to pretend like their parents do not have any culpability and responsibility? Cool, but, that, yeah. but Cassie was 19 years of age. I believe she might have been a model at the time. So I guess it depends on when we uh, assign certain level of responsibility for an adult who makes decisions. I don't know if her parents could have controlled what she did, but these kids are growing up faster. They're making adult decisions. All I'm simply saying is, please be mindful. There are wolves out here. Right. And you don't have to put yourself in a position to be taken advantage by wolves for this glitter, a glam of fame, because that's how these motherfucking predators work. That's all I'm basically Damn. saying. So hopefully that provides some some clarity. Yes, sir. I appreciate the clarity. Jay, did you so, have something on that? <laughs> no, 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 I didn't. I actually no, I didn't. That's why I, I was I mean, I was just echoing like I do think accountability does go around. Uh, I think that she signed on initially, the way the story is told, she signed on initially to be his girlfriend for like 500K a month, right? Yeah, she Wait, was on the payroll. What? She signed on yeah. to be his girlfriend? Yeah, oh, this for like 500K a month. She yeah. went to the Wolves Den for 500K. So she had like down for his girlfriend. Never mind. <laughs> so, yeah, then he cut it down to 250. But by then she was she was used to the lifestyle. But she kind of stayed. And then, like you say, Nick, she could have left. 
she could have done something else, but uh, apparently she chose to ride it out as long as she could. Um, I think the biggest thing story from this is it really, to me, reeks of like Harvey Weinstein. Uh, you know, it's like the mold, whack a mold. It's like stories start popping up, and you can't do enough damage control for all the different stories that are popping out. Eventually, the uh, public outcry is going to be too loud. I think when whatever is coming for Diddy, uh, legally, whether it's federal or state or who knows, I think when it comes for Diddy, he's going to find very few allies still standing and people willing to speak for his character or to try to defend him. And that's going to be a hard place. It's gonna be a really, really hard place to be in. Um, it reminds me lastly of uh JD um Dwayne Dupree on his album. And he said, um, he had this interim, and then and the girl's like, you know, I just want you to know, JD, same people you had going up be the same ones you meet going down. He was like, What? Bitch, I ain't never coming down. But you know, eventually, sometimes we all come down. So we gotta be careful how we treat each other on the way up, you know what I mean? Because, you know. You can only be untouchable for so long. Yeah. Anyway, that's a fact. Speaking of, uh, so yeah. Go yeah, ahead, bro. Say, speaking of uh, relationships in the industry uh, going up and possibly going down, yo, I am mm-hmm. so glad for the first time we actually got a story that we was able to cover, like first almost low key, right? I mean, I know there's a bunch of people doing this stuff or whatever, but this dropped. I think it was Friday, right? I'm perusing the internet, and apparently, Partisan Fontaine, the ex boyfriend of Meg Thee Stallion, dropped a diss track. Right, so for a little bit of background before I play the clip, apparently Megan dropped a single not too long ago. It was a banging single. It took a, it, it went a little different direction because she wasn't just talking about popping her pussy and using that to get money from niggas or whatever. She was more kind of talking about what she had been through, you know what I'm saying, especially with all the Tory stuff. It was a, actually an appropriate song, an excellent song, a divergence from what she did. But part of what she did in that song was intimate that her boyfriend, Partisan, Partisan Fontaine, was out here cheating and just doing his thing, right? And so I think whether that's true or not, whether she said it to become, you know, to feel like a victim or to try to get people on her side or whatever. Partisan did not like that. So the brother took a few minutes, four of them to be exact. We can't play the whole thing. I'm going to play this clip. This is Party or Partisan Fontaine with the Magda Stallion diss track. I was like, wow. Let's check it out. Look, we talk shit about Kellen, shit about Jayla and Darren. You talk shit about everybody set for the person in the mirror that's staring. You talk shit like you Keisha, then cry like a Karen. Fuck awards that you want, money you got, clothes that you wear. A whole lot happened in these last two years, but this is the part that you share. I just wish you tell the whole truth. When you was going through shit, how I hold you. It's gonna be okay, is what I told you. I was the realest nigga you was close to. And that's real. The people that know you don't love you. The people that love you don't know you. I loved you out loud, I was vocal. Said you never seen it up close. I said, come here, baby, let me show you. Sit down for a second, girl, you need to hear this. Be for real, you ain't even realistic. Got light pole, then you started posting gym pics. The things that you're doing is sadistic. Spent four hours doing glam, not a blemish. But your foundation is off, you need to fix it. Clean up your spirit. And not just your image. I thought that's what you was doing with your downtime. When the snake shed his skin, it only changed on the outside. You got emotional hurdles. Man, the work that you need is internal. When love goes bad, can't believe it. Archive pics, you can't delete it. Damn, see me with Jada Kingdom, and then you went Jada Pinky. Woo! Yo, that brother there got into his bag, right? 
So you dropped that on Friday. A lot of people have been talking about it, right? So you guys got a chance to hear the song. Like I said, obviously, this is him going at Megan. He mentions a lot more in there. He, uh, I guess, kind of confirms that she lied to him and basically slept with some of the same guys that she was introducing as friends, right? So, like, I guess he met Tori, and it was like, no, we're just friends. But apparently, he fucked Tori. That includes the baby as well. And I think the overall point for him was that he was a solid nigga who tried to hold her down through a tough time. And the way she just moved was just like, you know, not a good look. And then she's going to come out try to play me or play him to make it seem like he was the one that was moving foul. So what do you guys thought, not only on the song, but even this idea that men can express their emotions as some, as it relates to a breakup in a relationship? Because I did see some comments, including the same girl, her, 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 excuse me, her favorite word must be sassy. Cause she 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 just throws that word around. She was like, "Oh, he's big sassy." So, what are your thoughts on Partisan Fontaine getting into his emo bag and talking about Meg The Stallion? I feel like he he has a right to tell to tell his side of the story, uh, and I think that unfortunately we live in a world where if you don't tell your side of the story, that whatever side is being told becomes the truth that people will accept. So. Uh, he has every right to speak his piece. Uh, I think it was lyrically, I, I enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. It wasn't any lazy rhymes in it. He still told the story. Um, I, I actually will now probably find more interest in his music and try to see what else he's done. Um, but, um, you know, hip hop, uh, artists tend to live out their lives in their music. If we're lucky, you know what I mean? That we're getting something authentic and we're, and we're getting a story that maybe we can resonate with from some aspects in our lives. And I think he's done that. I think that, um, it, you know, we don't have a lot of raps written by men who are like, yo, girl, I loved you and I held you down and the way you did me was dirty that don't go into simping or that don't go into like misogyny, right? Like they don't go into like woman hating, like, yo, she's a dirty bitch. I knew she's for the streets. She a three oh four. She's a you know, he just kinda he made his point. He was clean, it was intelligent. I like what he did there. I hope it sets a standard for people coming after him and how they can speak their piece on wax without uh denigrating each other or uh or denigrating the culture. So I I like what he did right there. Which how about you, SNM? Was he being so sassy? Well, Amelia, I was like, oh, stop. We got the Tyrese rap. And, uh, <laughs> but I was happy to see the storytelling, right? Because I was just like, oh, we bringing back hip hop again. Because it was supposed to be storytelling. It is storytelling. And so I appreciate the lyrics. And then I was like, oh, Meg Thee Stallion, come on, come on. See, we was all capping for you. When it came to the Tory Lane story, we was like, ah, oh, she's telling the truth. She's doing this. She's doing that. And because abuse is never acceptable, especially getting shot on your foot. <laughs> but regardless, the next thing you know, we hearing that you was moving grimy. Like you was moving grimy. You had this dude. And I'm not saying, I'm going to say I'm not choosing sides. All I'm saying is that this man and expressed allegedly. himself. And allegedly. Right. <laughs> he expressed himself. And um, as a response to your album, in which you claimed that he was moving grimy. And he said, wait a minute, you were the one who was actually moving grimy because you had me smiling and nodding in folks' face who you was actually sleeping with, but I'm still smiling and nodding. And so it was basically disrespectful in that for that relationship. And that goes back to how apparently Megan can't be friends with the opposite sex because if she friends with the opposite sex, it comes with benefits, uh, allegedly. And so I just thought it was a great diss track. 
I love the lyrics. Um, and I only loved it because it was a storytelling. He was telling the story. He was being helpful. And to be honest, he was like, hey, I'm going to feed your soul, even though your soul is dirty. I'm going to feed your soul. Mm-hmm. I'm going to feed your spirit. And uh, I appreciate that. Um, to Meg, I hope she listened because when you someone call you a snake and said you shed your skin, that's ain't a whole lot. So real quick, before I get into this story, I got to go back real quick. Tasha Kay, who did an interview with Brother Bilal, she got sued, I think, for like $4 million by um, Cardi B. So there is history in terms of whoever she getting sued by a celebrity and that celebrity winning. So I do think it's a strong chance that... You know, we just, we just got to be careful as a show. Like, we ain't got $4 million, right? So just allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. But yes, allegedly. podcasters allegedly. are being sued for what people are saying on the platform. So again, we're going to talk about allegedly. This was Party's um, point of view, POV, right? And what happened in the relationship. I think if if what he said is true, it does paint Megan in a very negative light, right? Because even as a man, like the idea, like, because Partisan sounds like somebody who he's like, yo, just keep it real with me. You know, and I can navigate, you know what I'm saying? Because he was still low key trying to work things out with her, even after he found out that she was fucking these niggas. Right. I think it was at a point where she went out of the country, didn't call for like, you know, several days. And he just kind of felt like, okay, you know what? I'm not going to continue to do this. And I think that's when he kind of moved differently with another young lady or whatever. Right. Again, this is all just based off of his story is true. But again, where there's smoke, there's fire. Right. So the simple fact that baby supposedly had sex, she was also dealing with Tory Lanez. Listen, I get it. She's a hot girl. She's a city girl. This is what she's supposed to be doing low key. Right. But when you do that, though, and it becomes public, people then try to make judgments upon it. And I just think all the young ladies out there, if you're going to move a certain type of way, just be smart about it. Right. Keep your business, your business. Right. Don't move reckless. You out here fucking with people within the same circles. That's just, you know, a, a recipe for disaster. You dig what I'm saying? Like it shouldn't be a situation where your your current dude is meeting the nigga that you fucking. You know what I'm saying? You gotta try to keep them separate because that's where it kind of gets a little distasteful to a certain extent. So I I like the song. I thought it was well done. Um, I didn't I didn't feel like he was trying to be super malicious. You know what I'm saying? I think he genuinely was trying to say, hey, hold up a mirror to yourself because how you've been moving is not cool. You know what I mean? And I have a right to tell my story. The other thing I want to say. Especially to some of these women who are so quick to call men sassy. I wonder how many of y'all are single, though. You know what I'm saying? I wonder. <laughs> I was talking to my wife the other day, right? And she was like, happy people ain't hating. Like, certain people just don't move on the social media like that, right? So here's a man who justifiably has a point of view to what happened in a very public relationship, right? Where his girlfriend was shot by somebody else and he never said anything. It wasn't until came out with a song that intimated that he was being some type of duck or a buster or a cheater or philanderer that he felt the need to kind of clear up his name, right? So women will say, oh, I want an emotionally intelligent man. I want a man who can communicate, et cetera. And when a man does that, they be so quick to come off their mic or their fucking comment section to call a nigga sassy. You dig what I'm Mm. saying? So Mm. sassy to you, cool. That's why you ain't got nobody. You know what I'm saying? And even if you got somebody, then the idea of how you move tells me you won't have somebody for too long. Because I think men are evolving also, just like women are. We want to be able to communicate and, and emotionally, intelligently tell you how we're feeling about things because we're working towards solution. If you don't want a man who can communicate to you those types of things, then you don't want a solution, right? You want somebody mm-hmm. who's just going to order because you think you are all that. And as cute as I think she is as a person or whatever, I just, just like, I, just like partisan, I'm going to say to you, sis, get out of there, okay? You know what I mean? Look at your life. 
figure out what you're doing and what you're not doing. You know what I'm saying? Give niggas a little bit more grace and maybe you will find somebody who can love you for you and y'all can build, y'all can communicate, so on and so forth. You dig what I'm saying? But there's a lot, there's way too many women, especially on Clubhouse, that was throwing out the word sassy, whatever. And I promise you, the women who moved that way was alone. A majority of women who were not happy in the relationship they were talking that way. For the women who were married, women who were in prosperous relationships, they kind of like were thoughtful about their opinions and moved that certain type of way. So listen, sis, your slip is showing. You're telling on yourself. You know what I'm saying? Because party's going to be all right. Are you, though? So you know that old saying, um, ain't no fun if the homies can't have none? And so mm. apparently party was like, look, I'm going <laughs> to, these ain't my homies. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but I'm not sure um, with them. <laughs> <laughs> right, you know, <laughs> like uh, you, I agree. Like, first of all, you don't poop in your own backyard, and I recognize within the industry, there's they are in the same circle, you know. And but can you imagine the disrespect that he may have felt if this is allegedly true? Um, because he, like he said, he was like, "Hey, I'm taking one for the team because I'm letting you do you." And so a lot of women say they want somebody who's going to let them do them. And then when they get with somebody who's willing to let them do them, they don't actually appreciate it. Right. right. And so it becomes another conversation of, do you really want what you say you want? Because if that's what you wanted, then where, why did this disrespect come into play? Why did this, um, why did you move the way you did with this latest track? Right. Not party, but Meg. And so it's one of those things where we really need to evaluate what we want as women in our relationships if we're going to move forward, because we can't say one thing and do another thing and then expect a guy to stay silent or to accept it as is, especially if we continue to be a mouthpiece of negativity. And so I just say kudos to Party for uh, finally breaking the wall of silence, you know, and I think that's a good thing for him. I'm interested to see if Meg's going to respond back and, you know, at the minimum, if it's true, um, will there be some type of apology in place and so forth? But I do want to just reiterate that regardless of how she was moving, um, domestic violence is never okay. So I just want to reiterate that while we were capping, I still stand by domestic violence is never the case, regardless if it's a friend or benefit, friends with benefits, or whatever the case may be. But kudos to party. So any final thoughts before we talk about uh, somebody else who's getting their hustle on? Hey, hustle on. Let's go. All right. All right. So uh, I believe we have a clip because I think Terrence Howard can say it best. Let's run this clip. I made $12,000 for doing Hustle and Flow. And then on top of it, what Paramount did, <laughs> instead of putting my name as Terrence Howard performing the, the songs, right. they put performed by DJ. Well, they own DJ. So guess what? The performance royalties went to Paramount. They went, Wait a so minute. They didn't go to Terrence Howard. Howard. They went to... All, that's all I ever made from Hustle and Flow. Everything else went right back into Paramount. So now I got to sue Paramount or send them a letter. Are you serious? I got to send them a letter to say, hey, you guys owe me about 20 years worth of residuals and, and performance royalties. But I didn't know. I was just, right, trying, right, I was just right. trying to pay my rent then. So Terrence Howard, per his own words, stated that he only made $12,000. That's $12,000. On Hustle Ooh. and Flow, which was this major breakthrough. It actually won Grammys and all this good stuff. The Paramount walked away with $75 million. Mm. And not only that, 
they um, didn't have to pay royalties. Although I will say, uh, was it? Um, oh my God, I can't believe I just lost the name because I listen to them all the time in the gym as well. Because they're another group where you just want to listen to the music in the gym to pump you up. Was it Three Six Mafia? <laughs> and so. so Three Six Mafia was like, hey, we got our royalties. And Terrence Howard, unfortunately, didn't get any royalties, didn't get any residuals. As a matter of fact, Paramount was moving on sneaky. And um, instead of assigning the tracks to Terrence Howard, they was like, oh, this was DJ. And you know who owned DJ? Paramount. So Uh, (laughs) what do you guys think about them? 20 years of him not getting any royalties, any residual, not even streaming residuals (laughs) from Paramount. at first, I'd have been like, this isn't a real story. You know what I mean? Dude, you played a part. You know what I'm saying? Three Six Mafia wrote the lyrics or whatever. You just rapped the lyrics or whatever. And I, and I liked his part. I liked the movie. You know what I'm saying? His Southern accent was a bit strong. As somebody from Mississippi, it was a bit strong. But we, we we chose to overlook that. You know what I'm saying? DJ, man. Come on, man. We chose to overlook that. But on the, in the totality of the work, I liked it. You know what I mean? I, I, I feel bad that they should have called it Hustling No Dough. Um, because you know, apparently they didn't give him none. Um, uh, but I think that um at first, like I said, at first it would have been like not a story for me, but I actually was at, at believe it or not, karaoke, somebody's birthday party. They were doing karaoke about two weeks ago, and one of the guy gets up and he does the whoop that trick song, right? And everybody in the spot is singing along, like, whoop that trick, get him. And so it got live and stuff. I'm like, wow, this is a real song. So that being said, uh, as you look at the movie, the movie actually did contribute something musically to our musical landscape, right? To the this this musical anthology that is hip hop in America. So I would like to have seen him be compensated for that. But I think it kind of really goes down to us as um, people who are not necessarily affiliated with certain industries, not knowing how to read the fine print. And uh, and therefore being kind of squeezed out. Black people have been squeezed out of their publishing since we started doing m- music. Uh, only recently were we able to like start acquiring catalogs, you know, of either our own music, like Prince or whatever, or other people's music, like Michael Jackson when he bought the Beatles, or Master P owning all his stuff, or you know, whatever, or Snoop getting his back. That's a really serious thing. So I think. Terrence was navigating as a movie star in the music industry, and he got the result of that. I think it's unfortunate. I, I'd like to see him get some money for it. I don't know if there's anything, anything he can do about it, though. But musically, the songs was dope, and I think he, he delivered the lines really well. So hopefully he can find a way to get a check out of it. I hope. So I think one of the, the interview guy asked him, I don't know if I included that clip. The interview, interview guy asked him, did he think that Hustle and Flow was going to blow up like that, right? So a lot of times people will do these low-budget movies without necessarily not knowing what it's going to be, right? And in the capitalist system, the person who has a capital who takes all the risk for the project, right? You have to go out there and you find people who are willing to be a part of the project. What he also said in that clip too was that at the time, he was just trying to pay rent. So for him, maybe he felt like $12,000 was great at that time, right? And then with the benefit of hindsight, he can say, oh my God, look at the money that it generated. But to your point, Jay, hopefully he had a lawyer, somebody who was um, you know, looking at the, at the paperwork on his behalf, right? Again, we're in a space now. Well, let me take that back because this was a while ago for him. 
But we're in a space now where hopefully people know better when it comes to how do you navigate these type of spaces. But I think what we forget is that if I spend $100,000 on a film and it makes zero money, then you're not going to come back to me like, hey, man, uh, let me get some of that zero money that you made. No, right? Because I took all of the risk. Now, I will say that I do think I've never heard how they assign the rights to a fictional character in a movie. Now, that's different, right? Because there's a lot of um, um, singers, for example, who don't write the, their work, who aren't the musicians. Their instrument is their voice, and they're still compensated, I think, from a mechanical royalty standpoint, right? So when that song actually is played, there's a publishing aspect to it, and there's also like the performance, I should say, aspect to it, right? And then the mechanical piece is when you take the body of work, and then you disseminate it to a certain extent, right? I might be off just a little bit, but just trying to uh, you know, educate the audience in terms of the different ways that you can get paid. So of course, 3-6 Mafia most likely got their publishing because they're a legitimate artist who was successful enough at the time, probably had legal representation and they wrote the song that's publishing right but they did not perform the song right and i think that's where the area is for terrence in terms of i think he also mentioned that he was going to submit a letter to try to see if he can go back and get some of those royalties so this is just another example that a lot of times people are caught in a very precarious situation in their lives they strike deals because they got to eat they got to pay their rent or whatever but i think what we also forget is that People take risk to do a thing. There was nothing guaranteed about this movie really blowing up. It did. It did help to propel him. He was able to get more roles thereafter, right? And that's a lot of what these actors do. Sometimes you take the short on the front side, right, on your first initial projects, but then when you start to become who you need to become or you're in the process of becoming, now you have more leverage to be able to negotiate terms and conditions that are you know, much more favorable to you. So I just want people to at least take away from that, that there is a business side to it. I do believe that he should be compensated at the very least for those royalties because that was his voice. But if he accepted $12,000 to be in that film, it could have shot for one week, right? And he got $12,000 for a week's worth at the time. He probably felt like, yo, this is a good look. And so I just hate that sometimes we'll do revisionist history because we see the benefits would actually happen. And now we're salty because we see that that particular entity, the capitalist who decided to front this whole thing, made a profit from it that we were not able to benefit from. But you did get your check though. You did get paid. And I do think you should probably get paid for his vocals being the ones for that particular song. So I 100% agree because I still remember I got a black and a snow bunny too. And if you do it right, they might both do you. And I was like, at that time, he probably wish he did have both those so he could put them out on the track. But um, regardless, <laughs> the the fact that he was trying to pay rent, I think people don't forget that he was already a successful, well, semi-successful or successful, look how you view it, um, actor before. And he just so happened to hit a dry spot. And that's why he needed that money for that rent, you know? And so um, I do agree that he should get paid for his vocals. And apparently it wasn't just like, it's not a new phenomenon in regards to this. He actually sent the letter, I believe, already. And he's now actually contemplating the lawsuit itself because apparently, I guess they looked at the letter allegedly and was like, ha, 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 ha. DJ got this. And so, um, but I'm not sure. Um, I do know that he is looking to get um, his royalties and residual from it. And I wish him the best of luck because he's a great actor and he did it so much that I honestly thought he might have wrote the lyrics, too, even though I knew through six mafia broke the lyrics. But he played the role so well. I had to do a double take because this ain't the Terrence from who played the square back at the hotel. I think it was. Um <laughs> Let me stop. But this wasn't a person who I saw initially. I was all shocked with the perm and all that good stuff. I'm like, he really put himself into this character. And I think that's what made it blow up, especially with the vocals. And so 
Give the man his money. I'm like Terry, uh, uh, Terry McGuire movie. Show me the money. Mm-hmm. Give this man his money. He deserves it. Back. Mm. Speaking of people uh, not getting their money, uh, you mm. know what I'm saying? Thinking they were running the game and getting played. Uh, there was a board game based Ponzi scheme that came up somewhere around COVID. And uh, now that the, the uh, game's over, uh, there's a lot of fallout here. You know what I mean? People don't want to cash in their chips. Let's play the clip, and then we'll talk about it. A reality TV couple has a real-life come down when they are accused of scamming thousands of unsuspecting victims. The couple is accused of luring people with false promises. They wanted to be a celebrity couple. LaShonda and Marlon Moore say they want to help African-American communities build generational wealth. They call it affinity fraud. $33 million circulated. They use religion. We are two God-fearing individuals. They know the buzzwords. Building black wealth. Blessings. More people are going to continue to be blessed out. The Moors use Zoom and other video platforms to sell their schemes and recruit members nationwide for their online investment community called Blessings in No Time, a.k.a. Binge. What's up, Ben family? What's up, Ben family? They created this Blessings Circle under the guise of Blessings for Black People. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, I guess they, people came back and was like, give me my money. And they're like, you got me bent. And they was they said, you know, you read the fine print. So, uh, you know, it, it, it's a it's sad story. Um, I remember shortly after my wife passed, uh, I mentioned her earlier in the show, uh, I had our life insurance, the life insurance money, and I wanted to do something philanthropic. I wanted to do a charity. And uh, it was about people giving in and, and then, you know, money going back out and whatever. And I quickly realized that um, unless people are giving without the expectation of receiving, none of those systems work. Because if you're going to be paying in and people are expecting to get out more than they put in, you got to find somebody else to put in to make up for what they want to take out, right? Math will never be mathing. I don't know why we keep falling for these as people. I think we're just, you know, I think we're sometimes we're, we're economically desperate. And uh, because we are, are, are kind of conditioned in some ways to spiritually or faithfully believe in like this pie in the sky blessing that'll fall into our lap. And we're just kind of looking for that magical thing that turns it all around. I think people are able to come in and pray on that. Um, I hope this doesn't discourage people from investing in the black community or finding ways that we can help each other through cooperative economics. I just also hope that it encourages us to do more due diligence as to like the math behind how a person's doing what they're doing. I remember Bernie Madoff, right? When he was a big, you know, Bernie has a big Ponzi scheme. Um, if you don't, if they won't tell you how they're doing it, then they're probably not doing it legally. And you're probably a part of a pyramid scheme. You're prob- your entrance money is probably somebody else's exit liquidity. So when you buy in, somebody else is selling and cashing out. And that's never where you want to be in an investment ever. I'm, I'm not giving you investment advice. Uh, you know, I mean, disclaimer, I am not a financial planner or advisor, but uh, I can tell you this. Be wary of investing in things and people can't tell you how the money's being made. Right. If it's too complex for you to understand, it might be too complex for you to invest in. What are y'all thoughts? Good, SNM. 
So I actually participated in uh, something like this. And the reason why is because I, I love the concept of cooperative economics. I believe this is something that we need within our communities. Other people, and it's from Asians to Ethiopians to the entire gamut of people actually do cooperative economics under the SUSU system. And so, um, so initially I was like, oh, this is great because one of the ways they sold it was that you can receive, it'll help you if you need to pay a car note or if you need to uh, put a down payment on a house. It's all about building back and giving back into the community by blessing each other. And so I was like, oh, I love this concept. And I was really at the time looking for some SUSU type investments anyways. And, um, and so I joined. Right. And I was fortunate because they have so they have tiers. Right. You don't have to join at like the fourteen hundred dollar (laughs) tier. You know, you can. But they like if you join at the fourteen hundred dollar tier, you get X amount of dollars back. Right. If you join at the lower tier, of course, you get less money back and so forth, because once you got into the water or if you're in the flower situation, once you got to the middle of the flower, then that's when everybody's pretty little sprinkle blessings on you and so forth. And so um, I was fortunate because I'm a, if I'm going to invest in something, I'm not going to put more than what I'm willing to lose because mm-hmm. I'm already viewing it as a risky venture, particularly since the SUSU concept in the Black American community is relatively new. Like we don't actually do it the way we're supposed to do it. Um, and so I was fortunate. I only put like 500 in it because I was like this suspect, but I really want to believe in it. I really want to trust it. I really want to see if it comes to fruition. And I was fortunate enough that I actually got my money back and the people I brought in got their money back too, because we were like, Hey, this looks, this is getting suspicious. We don't see any movement. Um, at this point, I want a refund because one of the things that they told it and touted, it, so to speak, was that, Hey, if you're not being blessed or X amount of weeks go by, we'll refund you. And that was another way they tricked people into the system because they was like, Oh, we'll refund you the money. <laughs> and, um, mm. and so it just depends on who the group that brought you in. If you trusted them, the group that brought me in was like, you know what? We're going to go ahead and hit these refunds because we're not moving. It's starting to look suspect. And even though the people who brought us in got paid multiple times, which was one of the reasons why I was like, Oh, this suspect, because y'all broke the rules yourselves, uh, when and how you can get paid and how you can move mm. up. And because y'all broke the rules and I'm watching you break the rules, now I need to be reimbursed. And the people who I brought in need to be reimbursed because I'm still trying to figure out how this hit the water position and they ain't bring nobody in. And so I was like, this seems completely self-serving at this point. Run me my money. And so <laughs> that's where I was. And um, I just wish that for SUSU purposes that we could actually get together and invest. And so the proper way a SUSU is supposed to run is as a community of like-minded individuals, usually family and friends, and you all put an X amount of money into the bank. And then once that person achieved whatever goal they wanted to achieve, normally opening a business, um, and then they go and the next person, they have to, once they make the money back, they give back into that SUSU and then the next person can take it out. So that's how it's supposed to work. And technically, mm-hmm. this whole free money, like, oh, it's raining money. You know, let's, then <laughs> that's how it's supposed to work. But of course, it was a Ponzi scheme. And my only advice is any investments, especially investments where you don't see how the money's been made, how they're multiplying it and so forth, is a risky. It's, that's why it's called an investment. There's risk associated with that. Financial mm-hmm. literacy will help greatly in our community. 
Facts. And I'll, you know, it's funny. I have two different stories I want to share real quickly. Um, so my parents are from Haiti. My family's from Haiti. Um, you know, Haitians do participate in the susu process, right? And essentially what it means is if you have 10 people participating, every week there's a set amount that each person says, I'm going to put in. So $50, 10 people, that's 500 bucks, right? And then every week a designated person gets the pool, all of that $500, right? It, it's It's like a savings plan with some level of accountability because you have other people that's participating in it. But I just think that people don't really understand that, right? Because technically, even when you get your $500, you would have technically already put in $500 also. It's just a way to say, okay, I may not be able to do this on my own or larger amounts. So if I pay $50 every week, then everybody gets their turn and eventually I'll get my $500 to be able to do my thing. And that's how my community has used the SUSU, right? Had a friend of mine. He's a hustler. Love him though, right? He gets it. I don't think he's ever had a job in his life. And he approached me with this, right? The first thing I asked him was like, what product was the product? Right. Because I'm familiar with multi-level marketing. Right. And at least like they provide a product Amway provides a product, uh, Legal Shield, all these different things at least provide something tangible. And so it didn't make sense to me. I think he was all caught up on, yo, if you get two people, you'll be able to get this bread. And I'm just like, bruh, this shit looks crazy. So clearly I was like not not a part of it. Right. And so I didn't know how far it went. I think there was a lot of iterations of this thing. Um, what the way, cause, cause he showed me like paperwork that looked kind of janky. At least those guys had a nice name and nice graphics and probably a really decent website and they're doing webinars, right? I can see how people would be caught up in that. Right. But they're also using terms like blessing, right? Praying on the black communities, uh, religious and spiritual beliefs, right? The idea of financial health, the lady said in the video keywords and things of that nature. So with that being said, throw the fucking book at them. Right. If they, in fact, did what they are being charged with and alleged with, throw the fucking book at them. I, I have the belief because when you start playing with people spiritually, you know what I'm saying? People are striving to try to better themselves. Right. You hear these these buzzwords and people are honestly trying to give it an effort. Then people are not going to get their money back, most likely. Right. When it shows up on by the time it shows up on American Greed, that money is gone. And the only retribution that most of those people will have is the amount of time that those those people spend in prison. And if they are, in fact, guilty of this, throw the fucking book at them, because it's one thing to run your scam or you run your hustle. And that goes for anybody who's running scam or hustles using you know, the Lord's name in vain. You know what I'm saying? I'm not even the most religious person necessarily, but I feel like when you're using spirituality to take advantage of people, when you're using people's desire to be better and do better for themselves, right? And you out here talking about, you know, we're a Christian couple and all that, and you out here popping bottles and champagne and shit like that, brother, I hope I hope that you, you know, it was worth it. I hope you had a great run in the meantime, because it looks like your ass is going to be sitting down for a very long time. And the crazy part is, I don't think y'all be in the same jail. So maybe you don't even get conjugal visits because your wife is going to be locked up too. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm. So good luck to you. But but the last thing I will say though is, again, we have to be responsible to make sure we learn financial literacy. We have to ask questions if something doesn't make sense. Maybe we take a pause because part of the reason why people get scammed is because of the desperation that Jay spoke to, but also the idea of fear of missing out. Right. Mm -hmm. I got scammed recently because I thought I had a really great deal on some AV equipment and I, you know, didn't do my due diligence and they got me. So I got to eat that. Right. So even for me, I recognized that I was the one that was at fault because they caught me in a slightly vulnerable moment where I maybe lost a little something, something in the market. And I'm like, okay, this would be a great opportunity for me to come up again. Look at God. Right. They didn't say that. 
I said that, right? Mm -hmm. And the way that right. we as humans sometimes will, um, you know, make up things for us to make a decision. So I just think that we as a Black community have to be a little bit more savvy, more educated when it comes to financial literacy. Um, but yeah, at the same time, the brother, the brother and the sister did wrong. Throw the book at their asses as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, because they didn't just take those people's money. They took their hope. They they took a, a piece of their faith. You know what I mean? It took something that transcends like what you can earn back from just working your job. So definitely, yeah, if they can get them for it, get them for it. Because that's just, they stole from those people on multiple levels. And that's just wrong. It's wrong. It's abusive. It's abusive. So I this agree is the, with that. Yeah. Throw the book. And I say this as somebody who actually did get my money back and actually <laughs> recognize that it was uh it was a risky investment. Still throw the book. And throw we know book, it's gonna yeah. be thrown at them because of the color of their skin anyways. I had to just throw that in there. Sorry. That's true. That's, <laughs> that's a fact. Well speaking of books, it looks like we might be coming upon the closing of a chapter in our book. See what I did there? Right? <laughs> Season one has come to an end. The first chapter, what I hope is going to be a long novel of, of multiple seasons. Okay, the analogy is probably wearing its oh. at this point. But the <laughs> point is, we have come to the end of season one, our 12th episode. So I want to ask you guys, like, how do you guys, looking back, it was our first season, right? Obviously, some highs, lows, things that we had to learn. We're still learning. We're still growing. So what are your thoughts um, on the on the on our first season? Ladies first. Wow. Wow. That's what I'm going to say. So I'm excited. Um, there was a lot of growing pains, so to speak. Um, and when I say growing pains, I mean, as far as me learning the podcasting world, so to speak, I thought it was going to be something where it would be easy, breezy. I just get on the camera and have my mic set up and be ready to run and run with it. Right. right. And it turns out there's a lot more behind it than what I initially thought and anticipated. And then as part of the ever evolving learning and growing process, it was like, oh, this may be a little bit more time consuming than what I thought it would be. And I recognized that I was taking certain people, Nick, for granted <laughs> in his efforts. And because I just assumed that even though I wasn't doing it, that it was getting done uh, and seeing that it was getting done without recognizing how much effort went into getting mm -hmm. it done. And so I want to give you a shout out, Nick, for one, keeping us on track, on course, Taking, the, taking a lot of heat and a lot of the responsibility, to be honest, in regards to making sure the shows get out there, making sure that the IG, all the platforms are being loaded as far as with the information, um, with clips and so forth. So kudos to you. Hats off to you. Let me go ahead and do the hand salute and um, to you as well. And so although I'm looking forward to season 12. I think we're going to come back um, bigger, better. I don't know season what it's going to look. I mean, ooh. oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Pick that thing, girl. Season 12. I'm already on season 12, right? I'm already on season 12. I'm speaking that into existence. We will have right, at least right. 12 seasons. And so speaking that into existence. But I'm looking forward to season two. Um, we may have some new tricks and turns and whatnot. Tricks and treats for you. And um, I'm just excited and that we made it through this one. And so thank you to the audience. You know, be sure to still follow, like, and subscribe. Just because we're done with this season doesn't mean we're done with you. And we hope sure. you're not done with us. So thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to share as well. And I'll pass the mic. Uh, yeah, I'll pick that up. I want to echo what SNM was saying is about... Um... It's been a great experience doing this. Uh, I had no experience before this. Um, I did think it was kind of like, you know, you turn on the mic, you turn on the video camera, and you just kind of go. Uh, Nick's had a lot more experience. And uh, for those of you who don't know, he's pretty much the reason 
for the the level of production we've had and consistency uh and um yeah man with without him it it would not be what it is so um we're looking forward to uh building on what both uh s and m and I have learned uh in doing this and getting bigger and getting better and just making a, a better product that everybody can enjoy. We want to thank everybody for being along this journey with us, for watching us grow from like our missed cues to our inside jokes to just whatever the oddball, crazy things we've been doing. And you've been here for it. And if you weren't here for it, then go back and check it out because it's worth watching. That way, when we do start season two, you'll be caught up on everything and you'll never miss another inside joke. You know what's what. Um but uh yeah, it's been a growing uh experience, definitely with some growing pains. Uh I can tell you you guys a lot people come to me and they go, Hey man, I like what you're doing, the podcast, you know, how can I be on? I'm like, dude, I cannot put you on. They they put me on. I don't know what to tell you. But uh <laughs> but I, I love that what we're doing is inspiring people to try to find their voice, even if whether it's engaging with us and the topics that we're talking about, or just trying to find a way, their own way that they can spark conversation within the community so we can all get a better understanding. Cause that's really what we're here for at Black Lives Chatter. So in the off season, y'all better believe it. We're going to be, you know what I'm saying? Like 50 cent on go shorty. It's your birthday. We can just be, you know, training, getting it right, getting it better, getting it tight. As SNM was saying, look forward to new things, coming out in season two uh some you know who knows i don't even want to give some spoilers but whatever you think could probably be new and different you just might see it so be sure to tune in stay tuned to all of our uh platforms be it insta be it tiktok be it youtube be it x whatever it is we on it we even on threads so if you're looking for us you know spotify uh you know, Apple, we own all the streams. Just come wherever you want to find us. We'll be there for you with some great conversation and some laughter. And then before you know it, we'll be right back with season two. Nick, what you got for? Yeah, no, I think you guys said a lot of it and I appreciate the love. You know, it's funny because I'm not the best at accepting taking compliments, which is weird, right? <laughs> to a certain extent, but I do appreciate the love and I want to return that a little bit because, you know, prior to doing this uh, podcast, I was meandering around my entrepreneurial way, right? I was working on a different project and obviously I was passionate about it initially, but then somewhere along the way, I felt like that passion dissipated. But it, during that same time, I'm, I've been met S&M, we've been doing rooms on Clubhouse and we we definitely had synergy and energy in terms of uh, our purpose and, and really trying to engage in conversations. And then my guy, Jay, who I've known for 20 plus years, right? Easy, 25 plus years. And just hearing the chemistry is really what excites me and keeps me motivated, right? Because if I didn't think this was a good product, then I wouldn't necessarily put forth the effort, you know, to to for the world to see it, right? So um, we've had a lot of learnings, even myself included. One of the things that I realized in the past is when I did productions, I didn't spend enough time in promoting it. You have the greatest podcast in the world, but if people don't know that it exists and you don't get listeners, right? So that's one of the reasons why the emphasis on the social was really big. But we still got a lot of work to do, y'all. You know, I mean, I think anybody out there who's watching this or no listening to the show we want to be honest like this is a lot of work like to to the what jay and s and them said people think you just get the microphone and you start the camera but we don't think about the editing and the posting and all the different things right so not saying that all that has to happen immediately but you should be thinking about all the things that go beyond just what you see in front of the camera or on youtube or whatever platform there is somebody who is busting their ass to do like the thumbnails who are busting their ass to like you know put clips together and so on and so forth so um, you know, for me, I've been my motivation and drive to do this is because I believe in both of you guys. I believe in the chemistry that we've been able to um, create right through our conversations. So that's a big part of it. I know it's been some ups and downs, but I think 
you know, what you find out through those ups and downs is how much people care, you know, both about the project, but also about each other. Um, and, you know, you're going to go through that. So if anybody's out there, you know, do studying podcasts, go through arguments that go through struggles that go through up and down. But I think that if you guys are aligned on the vision for what you want to do and um, everybody is communicative in regards to what they need help with and so on and so forth, it could be amazing. So I'm super, super, super excited just to be clear. Yes, we may not do an official episode, but we might still be posting content, right? In terms of us maybe individually doing little fun things like reaction videos or remixes or whatever. Maybe we'll do a live and have y'all come through and chop it up with us. You dig what I'm saying, right? So while we're working behind the scenes to make this the greatest podcast of all time, because trust and believe that's what we're doing and it's no Ponzi scheme. But with that being said, we hope that you guys will continue to tap in, like, subscribe, follow, comment, share. Yeah, repost all those things. Fuck with us, and we fuck with y'all. Shout out to you know, I'm, it's, it's amazing how many people we got organically following us on these different platforms. Kudos to you and for recognizing what we do. This is something we are really passionate about, and we literally would not be here without y'all. So that's all I got, y'all. On my sick day, I feel like I came close to Jordan flu game a little bit. I don't know if I had too many times on it, but I wouldn't have been able to do it without y'all. Kind of being like my Scotty Pippins, you know, what I'm saying or something, you know, holding exactly. down. Why Mine's BJ driving. Armstrong don't get no love? Why are we not giving BJ Armstrong you any love? BJ Armstrong? No, I don't. <laughs> but I'm asking why he don't get no love. He was there at one point. He How about was Dennis on the Rodman? How about Dennis Rodman? Oh, I you love Dennis Rodman. Rodman though, oh, you can be Dennis you know Rodman. What? Yeah, yeah, you that can works. Be Dennis Rodman. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You can rock the skirt the and everything. <laughs> all that the dress, all the dress. He was one of the of best that. defensive players to get in your head. Yeah. So I'll take Dennis Rodman. Right. That was kind of like a game too when you play basketball too, right? That was kind of like it was no lie. Okay, okay. okay. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I might throws, be a little ball hogging. So yeah, I might be a little ball hogging. So I got to pass the ball. You know what I'm saying? But yeah, love yeah, you, you, my you, brother. You appreciate you tapping ball. in. Yeah, yeah. But you do great with rebounds, assists. You know, yes, all around. <laughs> yeah, he was an all-around player, whereas Jordan was That's whatever. Right. But he was—they wouldn't have won championships without him. That is a you fact. Know what I'm so, Thanks with that team. being said, y'all, it does, and we are out of here. Be Ooh. easy. Happy Thanksgiving. Number twelve. Is in the book. Boy, Drizzy Drake, and you are now rocking.